So that's funny because I really didn't have any high aspirations. Um, I honestly didn't. I, I grew up in a rural area of northern Michigan, and I was a ward of the state, so I grew up really poor. And, you know, honestly, I just wanted to be able to have a warm place to live and some food on my table. I mean, those were literally my goals as a kid. So wow. I've come a long way. <laughs> G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and welcome to episode 96 of the WP Elevation podcast. It's a big one. I'm going to give you details on how you can enter a competition to possibly win a brand new MacBook Air 13-inch valued at $1,200 and the Studio Press Pro Plus all-theme developer pack valued at $400, which of course is the Genesis theme framework and all 38 child themes and any future themes that Studio Press happen to make. And that's valued at $400. US I'm also going to uh, help you write a $10,000 WordPress proposal and give you information on how you can get my $10,000 proposal template uh, and an example proposal of a $10,000 WordPress website. And our feature guest this week is Rebecca Gill from Web Savvy Marketing, who has an amazing story to tell. Uh, if you've ever thought about building a WordPress theme shop, this is a must-listen uh, apart from Rebecca's outstanding journey, uh, as she mentioned in the intro, from uh, ward of the state to successful WordPress entrepreneur and speaker and WordPress theme shop owner. It really is an amazing journey, and she's also giving away one of her premium themes from her theme shop. So I hope you can stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Hey, I told you I'm excited this week, and I am, because we have got some big changes coming up at WP Elevation. We've completely rebuilt the website. We're actually closed at the moment. We're not accepting any new members. We reopen again on the 2nd of September. Uh, We've completely rebuilt the website. We've rebuilt our entire WP Elevation Blueprint course, which teaches you how to run a WordPress consulting business from start to finish. And uh, we are opening enrolments on the 2nd of September for a week. That's right. We're just opening enrolments for one week uh, to get a batch of students in. What we found is that um, our students benefit most from the course if they go through it with their fellow classmates. So we are now rolling out intakes throughout the year to come in and take the WP Elevation course. And to celebrate, we're running a crazy competition where we are teaching you how to write $10,000 WordPress proposals. We're giving you our template. We're giving you an example proposal to show you how it's done. And we're also giving away a brand new 13-inch MacBook Air and the Studio Press Pro Plus All-Theme Developer Pack. Some crazy prizes and a crazy competition we're running. So get on over to WPElevation.com and sign up for the competition. We'll help you write a $10,000 proposal and you could win some awesome prizes. And I look forward to seeing you all in the next intake of WP Elevation. Uh, As I mentioned, enrolments do open again on the 2nd of September. So keep your eyes on the interwebs for more information. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from the Midwest of the USA, Rebecca Gill from Web Savvy Marketing. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? Hello, thanks for having me. Now, I did get that right. You are from the Midwest. That's what they call Michigan, isn't it? Yes, 
Absolutely, yes. Which is kind of weird because when I was at WordCamp Chicago, I was flying in from LA and I was sitting next to this woman and her mother, who the mother was in her 90s, and I was saying, you know, she was telling me why it's called the Midwest because when they first kind of discovered the East Coast, they thought that the that the Midwest was closer to the West Coast and it turns out it's actually closer to the East Coast than it is the West Coast. So it kind of should really be called the Mid-East, shouldn't it, which would be a bit awkward. Wait, now, the funny thing is, is I didn't know that story. That makes a whole lot of sense because I've never understood the whole Midwest terminology. <laughs> yeah, on the, when and they, I grew up there. <laughs> right. Because when they first discovered the East Coast, they're like, well, that's so far away. It must be closer to the West Coast. So they called it the Midwest. But yeah, it oh, turns out. funny. Um, hey, before we get into this, Rebecca has very, very kindly... Uh, offered to sponsor a prize for this week's episode of the WP Elevation podcast, and it is one of the themes from the Web Savvy Marketing theme store. And if I'm not mistaken, these are Genesis Child themes that are all valued around about the $59 mark. Is that right? Correct. Absolutely. So your pick of a Genesis Child theme for this week's competition, stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. So before we start geeking off about all things WordPress, Rebecca, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? So that's funny because I really didn't have any high aspirations. Um, I I honestly didn't. I, I grew up in a rural area of northern Michigan and I was a ward of the state, so I grew up really poor and you know, honestly, I just wanted to be able to have a warm place to live and some food on my table. I mean, those were literally my goals as a kid. So wow. I've come a long way. <laughs> I, yeah. I promise you, I don't think I've, any, I've had anyone on the podcast before uh, tell me that they were a ward of the state. How, how, did, that, how, did, that affect your, um, how did that affect your confidence, do you think, going through school and, and, and kind of getting out into the working world? It, so it really did. Um, you know, I, I moved in with my grandparents at 11, but the state was my legal guardian and, you know, I lived on public assistance. Um, and you just, you, you have a different view of life. You know, I didn't, didn't really know what to do after high school. I just knew I was going to be on my own and I had to support myself somehow. And, um, you know, I didn't have grandiose ideas of my future. And I went into college because, you know, back, back then, my choices were to continue to work at McDonald's or go into the armed forces or go to college. So I figured out how to get state funding and government funding and student loans. And I went to college and, you know, that kind of put me on my path. But I still kind of floundered through school and just didn't even really know what I what I wanted to do for a very long time. So a lot of people, you know, I, I, I don't want to make too light of this because a lot of people in that situation would have just kind of taken the easy route, which would have been to keep working at McDonald's or, or yep. you know, um, what, what, what it, why do you think you had it in you to be resourceful enough, first of all, to work out how you could get some public funding to go to college? And then second of all, I mean, you know, anyone going through secondary, uh, tertiary education knows that it's just constantly overcoming challenges and constantly kind of hitting brick walls. Why do you think you had it in you to continue on that path and not just give up? I think, you know, get, getting myself to college, I, I was very blessed with having a village to raise me. You know, I said it was a small mm. town and I've written this in my blog post before, um, you know, that I, it was truly a village that raised me. I, you know, looking back, I see parents of my friends and teachers and even my managers at, at McDonald's kind of just always did quiet little things for me because they knew of my, my home situation. Um, and like my friend's dad is the one who taught me about financial aid and said, you know what, you can get funding. You know, you can do this. You can get loans. So, you know, it's up to you. And I was like, oh, okay. 
you know, so I did it. And then once I got in school, I realized that I had to get through it because I had student loans I had to pay back and I wasn't going to default on them. So I stuck through it. I went and got a degree with a major in accounting, which I don't even like, <laughs> just so I could solely get a job afterwards and pay back my loans. Seriously, you got a major in accounting. Oh, Is that not funny? Lord. I love saying that when I do a when I do a WordCamp speech, <laughs> or, you know, or, because when I, when I say, I'm like, yeah, I got a major in accounting, the whole audience goes, oh, and I go, I know, right? Why didn't somebody stop me? <laughs> So did you? Did, so when you left college, what did you do work-wise? What was the first thing that you you started? I was. Um, it's a funny story because I was. I just got a temp job. So I don't know if they do that in Australia, but uh-huh. so here, you know, I got a job for like eight dollars an hour, and I was supposed to do data entry, and I was supposed to be there just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I was trained on a software system, which was a uh, you know business software, ERP software. Three days later, I retrained my trainer. And that was my first experience with technology. I just fell in love with it. You know, it just all made perfect sense to me. And I thought it was amazing. And so I just, you know, I've just, I embraced the situation. I worked really hard and that turned into a full-time job where I was the operations manager and really set me on a career path all because of this few day data entry assignment that I just landed myself in because I just needed some money. Oh, wow. Uh, do you remember when, when did you discover the internet and realize that this was a game changer and that it was something that you were going to pursue? After I left that company, I actually went to go work for the for the software developer of that software that I love so much. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they hired me and I was doing training for them. And then I went into sales and we realized that we didn't have enough leads coming in. But once we actually got in the door, we could win. Right. We always had a really good win ratio once we could find the right people. And so I encountered the Internet because it was just really starting to, you know, to take off. And I figured out that, oh, my gosh, I can I could do Internet marketing and bring in leads. And so I just started teaching myself Internet marketing. You know, I taught myself the basics of web design and SEO. And I started blogging before blogging was cool. And that's where <laughs> I really discovered that. And again, it's just so I could eat. I needed to have, you know, prospects coming in so I could sell to them so I could get commissions and live. <laughs> wow. Fascinating. Um, did you, like, at, at this point in your career, were you kind of, like, looking around going, how did this happen? I've come from where I've come from and I've managed to get my way through college and get this accounting major and now I'm operations manager and now I'm on the internet and I'm marketing. Were you kind of like, how did this happen? No, and it's, it's funny because it really didn't dawn on me until I started Web Savvy and, you know, and I only started Web Savvy because I wanted to leave that job and it, we were in the re- middle of the recession and I'm in Detroit and there was no jobs available. And, and it didn't really dawn on me until all of a sudden the company was a real company. And I had, you know, angel investors trying to come in and buy in and, and you know, people really interested in the company. And I kind of looked around and went, holy cow, mm. look what happened. How did that happen? You know, mm. and so you look back and you try to figure out how you got to where you are and, and you know, with something successful that you didn't plan on you didn't expect and you didn't realize could ever you know you could ever achieve Mm. i'm going to talk more about that as we go through this interview um but before we get there when do do you remember the first time you discovered the wordpress dashboard yes so at that software company we i had been and i won't even tell you what i had been using for web design um but so i dare you it was net objects (laughs) wow 
and I had like a talking, you know, talking Kate on the website and things like that. Cause we all thought it was cool. Um, but so then we decided that, you know, the company was growing. We, I had grown it. Um, well, I think it was like 400% in two years. Our sales went up through internet marketing. And so we decided that we were going to hire a firm to come in and really take over and do the website. Right. And so we hired a local firm. We've spent a lot of money and they created us a Joomla website. Mm-hmm. And they also connected a WordPress blog to it. So mm. I met Joomla and WordPress at the same time. Mm. And I thought they were both pretty cool. And then on my free time, I was getting more into more WordPress. And I was playing with blogs at night because I just really wanted to see the true capabilities. And I fell in love hook, line, and sinker. I just could see the potential in WordPress. And I mean, I just, it was, it was that technology that I love. And I could see potential for me and for everyone else you know, businesses and bloggers and, you know, everyone around the world. And I just loved it. Found love. Did, was the, do you, do you, did you discover the, the plugin repository and the community of developers that were supporting WordPress and the plugins early on? Or was, or was that something that came later for you? I discovered the plugins right away because my type of my my path of learning is never to sit and read. It's just to dig in and poke around and I, I can learn software very quickly. So I immediately found the plugins and I realized that I could just start adding plugins. And that's why I started my own little blog, just so I could play and just keep, you know, figuring out the functionality. Mm. And I didn't grasp the concept of the community for probably a couple of years after that. And then once I once I actually started to get engaged in the community, I, I felt like I had found a home because for the first time in my life, I really found like people who had the same type of um, interests and experiences that I did. And, you know, they we, we all were alike. And I really I mean, it was a, it was a true community that I felt a place. In, and it was the first time I think in my entire life I had felt that. Wow. Thinking about uh, what you do today at Web Savvy Marketing, how do you describe what you do in one sentence, if that's possible? Um, we're a full-service digital marketing firm um, that specializes in SEO-friendly WordPress websites. Nice. That's very. That's quite specific. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, and you can throw in the fact that we we have a, the largest you know Genesis theme store outside of Studio Press, but that's kind of secondary to what we do with the custom development. Yeah, uh, I want to talk more about the theme shop a little bit later on. Um, is the the in terms of the client services? So a full service digital marketing agency that specialises in SEO, um, in search engine optimized WordPress websites. Is that is there a, a lot of thought that's gone into that elevator pitch or that that uh, that value proposition? Are you trying to are you trying to kind of repel the wrong people and attract the right people? It's just our sweet spot. I, I know SEO really, really well. It's how we've grown the company. It's how I launched the company in the middle of a recession. Um, and it's something that, that helps set us apart from others because if I'm going to go into a, a sales environment and talk to somebody, I can out-talk anybody else <laughs> in regards to the SEO and how SEO plays into the website, you know, and the architecture and the content and the planning and the execution. Mm. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm mm. just talking about what I've done for the last 10 to 15 years. Mm. So it really sets us apart from other firms. What do you spend most of your time actually doing uh, at Web Savvy Marketing on a daily basis? I, I heard cats. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that is that's our internal joke is that i'm the cat herder because we have people all over the world yeah um you know beyond herding cats i manage the marketing and i do all the sales activity and then i do administrative things like payroll and receivables and things like that and then i have a team that does actual execution and i'm always curious how um entrepreneurs with a team, I'm always curious how you know what you're supposed to be doing from one minute to the next. Like, how do you know that, apart from right now you're on a podcast with me, of course, but before uh, this, like during today's working day, how how did you know that you were doing the best thing or the most valuable thing for the business? Um, So today, for example, I had a large proposal that was due Mm -hmm. that needed to go out. But beyond that, my team sending me, you know, notifications through Basecamp and emails. And I'm just reacting to that and answering questions and keeping everybody on track and, you know, really just providing oversight. But, you know, most of my people have been with me a very long time, so they don't need a lot of interaction. It's more just, you know, we're in the situation. How do you want us to handle it? Mm. And then they go off and do it because they're great. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment too, about your whole recruiting and hiring process. Um, But before we get there, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? What's next? (laughs) You know, what's, what comes next after WordPress or what's the next, Mm. you know, development of WordPress? WordPress isn't going to last forever. Mm. What? (laughs) You're kidding. I know. I I love it. I want it to last forever, but at some point it could be the ugly Betty in the room and you know, what do we do then? Yeah. (laughs) And how do I know that that's coming and, you know, and, and, and make sure that I'm a part of that like I landed into WordPress? Mm. It's really interesting. I, I vaguely remember having a similar conversation uh, with yourself and Kareem at WordCamp yes. Chicago. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, won't WordPress just become a, a kind of a series of building blocks that we use to build the next thing, like whatever the next thing is? Or do you, do you really think that there, it's possible that, a, that some kind of platform will come along and eclipse WordPress eventually? I hope it doesn't ever go away because I love it and I love our community, but it could become the next Flash. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was uber cool at one point in time. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> and everybody loved it. Yeah, and there, were, and there were template shops popping up all over the place yep. for Flash, and it was a yep. similar, yeah. Interesting. Um, well, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that unfolds over the next few years. Um, what do you do when you're not working? How do you stay sane? I have, so I live in Metro Detroit and I have a cottage up where I grew up or close to where I grew up, up north. And that is what keeps us sane. We go up there most every weekend and I spend probably, I'd say 60% of my time up there in the summer. Um, that, that keeps me out of technology and it keeps me grounded for sure. Do you think uh, switching off from technology is important? I do. I think that you need to walk away. Um, and I wouldn't have said that a couple of years ago, but I know now having the, having the lake house and, you know, spending time on the lake and just looking at the docks and being in a small local community that it does keep you grounded and it helps refresh me. Even just this last weekend, I, you know, I was up there for three days. I felt totally refreshed when I came back and I was ready to jump in and, you know, and attack the week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, there's a, we've got a little um, <clears throat> little uh, favourite getaway down the coast where we just go down and, and usually try and hire a different house every time we go down there just for variety. And um, last, like, I was down there two weeks ago, and while I was down there, I actually deleted my mail application from my phone because I've decided I no longer want to look at emails on my phone. 
I don't do that on the weekends either. Yes, mm. I turned off notifications, and yeah. I and I just started that probably four months ago, yeah. and I realized what a difference it made for <laughs> it the refresh factory. Makes yeah. a huge difference because I was talking to some entrepreneurs here, who, who some startups who work in the same building here, and. Uh, one of them is quite an experienced entrepreneur. He, he was saying, seriously, like in the last four years, ask yourself, have you ever missed out on anything important by not checking your email? <laughs> and I was like, yep, you're right. I, it's just habit. It's, it's, it is that fear of missing out that keeps you connected, isn't it? It, it is. But, you know, even like, you know, we, we're working on a really large project right now. And I talked to this client the day before Easter, right? It was a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I then, then a couple of weeks later, I told him I turned off my email. He was like, good for you. Hmm. You know, I mean, he didn't care. He totally understood the fact that you just got to check out sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about the business this week, what would it be? Um, it would be after go live support for us. Oh. And it's because the, you know, the longer you're in business and the more sites you launch, the more clients you need to support. Hmm. And it's random when people come back. We don't force people to be on maintenance with us. So, you know, you could have a quiet week where no one comes and asks for anything. And then we could have a week where we're getting flood, you know, the support desk is getting flooded with tickets because people want just upgrades or, you know, assistance with something, tweaks. And trying to manage that while, you know, you know, managing the existing growth um, that just comes organically. I, you know, I think that's a challenge and that's probably one of the biggest things that keeps me up at night. So <clears throat> here's a question. I'm curious why you don't have... Um, structured WordPress support plans. I mean, I'm, I'm on your website now and I can see that you do have a WordPress maintenance contract starting at $75 per month, but you don't have, like you don't try and get all of your clients, because post-live support is huge. It's a huge problem. And mm-hmm. uh, and typically I, what I see a lot of WordPress companies doing is putting them on maintenance plans or, you know, hiring someone like Maintain or, or, uh, or, or WP Sitecare to kind of take care of it. You, you don't you don't try and get all of your clients onto some kind of maintenance plan. Um, our view is that clients should want to do business with us and not be forced into it or required to. Mm. So we offer support in an ongoing manner. Some clients stay on support with us, mm. but the majority of them just come and ask us to do things when they need it, and mm. we're okay with that. Um, mm. I did try to outsource the the ongoing support. Uh, with a, another company and it didn't turn out well. Mm. I received a lot of complaints. Mm. So I had to bring it back in. So what's the so so specifically what's the problem with post with with post live support? Is it is it scheduling? Yeah, it's it's the randomness of it, right? Where it's quiet for a week and then all of a sudden it's really busy. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's what it is because you have to have resources for that and then we always want to reply to everyone within 24 hours and you know, proactively address their issue and, you know, and it could be just our expectations are not reasonable or my expectations (laughs) are not reasonable, you know, for what's, what's possible. But, you know, you just do the, I think you do the best that you can and you take care of your clients in the best manner in which you, you know, is available to you. Mm. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about your team because I wasn't aware that your team is so big and until I was doing research for this episode and I realized that you actually have quite a large team and they're, you know, quite spread around. Uh, Mm -hmm. How The the, the question is, how do you know when you need to hire someone and how do you know who you need to hire? So I have let um, stress level 
dictate when we need to hire somebody. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, I try to keep a really good read with my team and I'm friends with them on Facebook and I follow them on social media and we check in all the time. Um, when I hear a quiver in someone's voice because they're stressed, because they have too much work, then I need to start looking for additional resources because we never go down in sales. We just continue to grow up. You know, I mean, and, and it's, it, it grows exponentially. So uh, I, I use that as my guide or if I get any complaints from customers that we're not responding quick enough, you know, that's my other, my other um, telltale. And, you know, finding people is, it, I think that's an extremely difficult challenge, particularly when you have a remote team. Um, I'm good at reading people. I'm good at reading a room. And once I find someone, I know it. You know, you can just, I just get the read on them. And I, in fact, I hired someone locally. I didn't even meet him in person. I, I hired him over Skype because I was busy and I couldn't get to, but I just knew that they were right. And they've, it's my project manager, Mary, and she's turned out to be phenomenal. You know, so it's, I, it's, it's, a, it's, I, I will tell you that it's probably one of my superpowers is having that feel for people. And it's, I've been blessed with it. Do you have, um, do you have a particular process that you go through to attract the right kind of candidates in the first place? I put out feelers with people I know to say, hey, you know what, I'm looking for this or that. And um, because I have been visible in the industry and because I've tried to always be, you know, good in, with interactions and gracious with anyone who's even just did a third party project for us. Um, I, it, people pop up and they're like, Hey, we'd love to work with you. Mm. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yes, I'd love to have you. Yeah. Um, but what's your onboarding process like when a new person comes into the organization, is there a particular process you go through to kind of get them to buy into your systems and your culture, or is it just organic kind of hit the ground running and see how it unfolds? I warn them before before we hire them on what's ex, you know what's expected. I'm very OCD. We uh, religiously use Basecamp. Um, you know, I'm not OCD to the point that I want you at your desk from eight to five, but I'm OCD that you need to follow our process. And you know, we've set up expectations that clients are going to have this type of response and this level of quality, and you need to do it. You know, and if that's a good fit for you, great. We'd love to have you. But if not, then we're not the right team for you. Mm. You know, like when people say pixel perfect, and when we have a layer PSD file that's going to get converted, it needs to be pixel perfect. I can see like five pixels off on a, on a website. <laughs> Excellent. And it's painful to my team, but that's, you know, that's, those are the expectations, but that's what our client base expects from us. And that's the only you way know? that it's the only way that you, I mean, the, 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 you know, the whole consistency breeds trust mantra yes. is so important. Is it that trust does come through consistency of behavior and consistency of, of quality of work? Yes. Yes. And I open up the doors, you know, I let people know our, you know, where we're weak and where we're strong and they have access to projects within Basecamp so they can see history, they can see what's going on. Um, you know, most of the time that we know the people already, you know, we've known them through, through the community or their referral from some, someone already on our team. And that has made a huge difference too. Mm. Um, the outsourcing thing or the, the hiring offshore thing is quite controversial in some circles. It's certainly wherever I go and wherever I speak to people, there's, everyone's got lots of opinions about this. Now, like us, you have, we have staff in the Philippines. So do you, um, mm -hmm. how do you, do you have a particular take or a particular bent on, on this angle or do you think it's just a whole bunch of hot air and everyone should just, should, should, should just get over it and move on? 
I've told clients this and I've told people in the community, I don't care where people live. Mm. I'm much more focused on the quality <laughs> that they offer and the type of person and can I trust them and will they make a good fit for their te- for our team. Um, you know, the gentleman that we have in the Philippines has been with us, um, gosh, I think like four years. Wow. I trust him. I trust him completely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I... I, I fret about him like he's my child when they're having a typhoon there, <laughs> yep. you know, and I'm peppering him with emails to make sure that he and his family are okay. Yep. You know, I pay him more than, than is the average rate over there probably by three times because yep. he's a value to us and I value him as a person. Yeah. You know, I think that if you have that type of relationship with people, it doesn't matter where they live. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so okay, let's switch a little bit to uh, the the you, you are quite. I saw you you speak at WordCamp Chicago about your theme shop, which I want to talk about in a moment. But also saw that you're quite um, very well respected and very well regarded and very well connected in the WordPress community. It, and I'm imagining that this is just something that's happened organically because of the quality of work that you've put out and your blog. But I'm curious if there are any kind of tips that you can give our audience about how, how you can better. Uh, be a better networker, or be a, or, or position yourself better in the in the in the WordPress ecosystem. Because I know that there are a lot of people who are starting out in the WordPress space who kind of look at the WordPress rock stars, so to speak. And you and I know, I mean, <laughs> right? We meet these people, and they're just people. You know, they're just normal yeah. people. They're more than willing to have a conversation with anyone. But are there any tips you can give newbies in terms of how to, you know, the best way to start fostering those relationships? Uh, you know, I, I think that. I surely was not always visible. I was very quiet. And, you know, you have to put yourself out there. You have to go to an event, whether it's a local to you or, you know, outside of your your local geographical area. And when you do, you need to make an effort to talk to people. Um, and when someone that is that you do consider to be the rock star or very well known makes an effort for with you, give it back 110%. Um, you know, I, I met a lot of people through Chris, Chris Lemma. Uh, he was extremely good at bringing me in at WordCamps and introducing me to people. Um, and I think that that helped. And it's funny because he always makes a, he always jokes with me where I say that, you know, I'm not out there. I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I'm more quiet. And he's like, oh, forget it. You are too. He's like, I've sat, you know, I've sat you next to people and you you have a conversation within two seconds. You know, he's like, you're, you're really good at that. And I, and I always think I'm not. So, you know, I, so, so don't discount yourself because that is definitely something that I did at first, uh, you know, and just embrace the situation. And if someone like Chris Lama tries to introduce you to somebody or multiple people, jump in and, it, you know, and engage. Because I think that once you do, you realize what a special group of people are out there in WordPress. I mean, we're just, it's just filled with wonderful people who I I can't say enough good things about. Yeah, it is. And you would never know that unless you jump in. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing community. Um, The, uh, your talk at WordCamp Chicago was about, uh, because some people might not realize that you have a theme shop, you have a Genesis Mm -hmm. Child theme shop, and your talk at WordCamp Chicago uh, blew me away because it was essentially all about (laughs) how you failed the first time around. Well, you didn't fail the first time around. It kind of got legs. I stumbled. Yeah, you stumbled. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then you were like, no, 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 if we're going to do this, we're going to hit a home run or we're not going to do it at all. Um, Talk us through the process that you, you know, I mean, the, the kind of the brief version of the process that you went through and, and, and the point at which you realized that the theme shop was not where you wanted it to be and the, and the change that you made to actually then uh, kick it into gear. 
the theme shop wasn't even my idea. It was Chris Cree who works for me, and I discounted it for months. And then finally, I said, "Okay, we'll do it." And we produced four themes, and they're all generic in nature. And you know, they kind of sold, but not really anything exciting. And then I realized that I wasn't using what I know, and what I know is SEO. Um, and then I started to go in after the niche market, and I started to really go after industry-based themes, and that's when the store took off because I could position myself on page one of Google and win the term, and I was showing up, and people were not only buying my themes, they were buying the Genesis framework because they wanted to use my theme. Um, and that, that was really what took the theme store from just ho-hum to very profitable and a good portion of our business. And I think it's such a huge distinction because I, I, I'm paraphrasing here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think the story I remember is that you were, you know, in some little town somewhere and you, you saw like an accountant's office and a lawyer's office and you're like, you know, what you know? What these got? These guys don't go looking for a Genesis Child theme. These guys go, they go looking for a website for an accountant. Yes, yes. <laughs> or a yeah, website well, just, for a lawyer. So exactly. Why am I trying to sell them something they're not looking for? Yeah, when I you know I, the people that we sell custom themes to can afford you know five thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, but the people who buy stock themes, you know, off the shelf themes, they can't. They can afford fifty because they have more time on their hands than they do money. Well, that's all the people up north where my cottage is at. Yeah. So I just started looking around to see what was around there because those are the people that buy those themes. And it's the chiropractor and the accountant and the single office lawyer and the insurance firm. And, you know, and that's what I started to create was based on what I see as I drive around. And that's when we really started to hit home runs. And it's, it's fascinating because it's completely the opposite of what I see happening at, say, Theme Forest, for example, where there's like one theme that you can use for just about any kind of website you ever want to build. You could just, yes, grab, you know. But that's, that's overwhelming to a large portion of the buyers. <laughs> yeah. They want something that's, that's for them. And, yeah. um, you know, and it's great because you do see the, like lawyers and accountants who start using this technology and fall in love with it. You know, they're excited about it, which is awesome. I and mean, that's what it should be. I think the big distinction that I came – well, two big takeaways I came away from that talk were, first of all, be really specific about the problem you're solving and who you're solving it for. Yes. And yes. second of all, you did a hell of a lot of research and a lot of work before you kind of relaunched your theme shop. A lot of people think you can just design a theme, turn it into a WordPress – you know, design a website, turn it into a WordPress theme, throw it up online and you'll make sales. And you might, as you as you know, you might make a few sales. But to really own that space and knock it out of the park, there is a lot of work that goes into a, into starting a theme shop, isn't there? There is. There's a, there's a ton of work. I mean, we I knew the cost structure of everybody in the team to be able to design, professionally design and launch the themes – because you know, all ours are designed by a graphic designer. Um, but even before we ever started to go down that path, I would have the research done and know exactly what the target market was that we were going after. And down to looking at every podunk website for an accountant in you know, my state or four other states to see what they're using on it to make sure that the theme fills that need and does it better you know, in a really professionally designed manner. And I know that some people from the theme forest um, marketplace are like you know what her themes are ugly well they don't look like the theme tour seems because that's not the buyer yeah, the buyer is exactly the accountant right. and it's what the accountant wants you know they don't want all of the flash they want something that's functional and that has limited data because that's what they have to offer that's right um, it's funny because I was actually here to compliment you on how beautiful I think your themes are. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you know, some people say it and some people are like, oh, they're so boring. But, I mean, it's it's the target market. It's, you know, it's and, – and we do. They're all they're all done by our graphic designer, you know. So they, they do have a professional designing them. But with 
you know, specifics in mind for sure. Yeah. The topography is beautiful. Uh, the grids are beautiful. The breakpoints are beautiful. I mean, you know, sure, they may not have the, you know, they may not have the same kind of aesthetic as some of the theme forest themes, but I, I, I mean, I don't know, it's a, maybe it's a taste thing, but I actually think your themes are um, really well designed for the professional. Like, for example, I'm looking at, you know, Derek, or I'm looking at... Yes. Um, I'm looking at there's another one here, Timothy. I'm looking for the the, the WordPress realtor theme. Yes. I mean, I, I can't fault it. I mean, I I would struggle to find a real estate agent who would look at that and say, well, no, that's you know not pleasing to look at. I, yeah, know. yeah. Thank you. Um, how do you name your themes? Because they're all they're, they've, they've all got human names, right? They they all have human names. <laughs> they're all people from my family tree on oh, Ancestry.com. Is that right? Or there are people who, like Patricia is my aunt who I lived with for six months. She's a pastor. I mean, just a beautiful woman. You know, Ellen May is my grandmother who I lived with um, through my teen years. Nancy's my mom. And then I start naming people for people um, like Deborah is Dead Stevie Sorrow who works for us. Wow. You know, in our in our um, office, Lisa Marie is Chris Cree's wife. You know, so then it starts to be people who are close to me that mean something to me as Excellent. well. It's all, it's all there's all love in those names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like you've just opened a naming book and pointed your finger and then said, "Okay, no. we're going to call this one." So who's Fernando? I've got to ask. Fernando is Chris Lemma. That he designed that theme. Ah. And gave me the he, he Chris Lemma has some extremely wicked Photoshop skills and he whipped up a layered PSD file and sent it to me. He's like, I like this. How about you? I'm like, yeah, he goes, put that in your store. So I gave it to our graphic designer. She cleaned it up with my things that I like to have in there and we, we whipped it in the store. It's a good seller. Excellent. And uh, who, who's Fernando? Who's it named after? It's him. It's that's part of his name. Ah, oh, gotcha. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. But again, someone I care about and someone I really like. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Hey, um, a nice segue actually into the competition this week. So you have very kindly offered a theme from your theme shop. It is a, they're all Genesis Child themes. They're valued yep. at around about the, the fifty nine dollar mark. Uh, and it, whoever wins this week, it'll be your pick of whatever theme you like. And the question. So the the what what is the one question that you would like to know from our audience, Rebecca? I'd like to know what the audience thinks is missing in the theme the theme marketplace for WordPress. Not custom themes, but themes that you can buy, you know, our shop or or theme forest. You know, what where's the gap? Um, I think that there's a lot of oversaturation with themes, but I also think that we've got gaps that we're unaware of. And I and I know that, you know, as a theme store owner, I'd love to know what those are so we can serve the marketplace. Awesome. So uh, leave your comment underneath this podcast and tell Rebecca what is missing in the WordPress premium theme space, not custom themes, but premium themes that you could buy off the shelf. What's missing in that in that space? Leave your comment at wpelevation.com slash Rebecca Gill. And that is just spelt as it sounds. Gill is G-I-L-L. Um, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-G-I-L-L, or one word, all lowercase. Uh, and I'll get Rebecca to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Hey, um, just before we get into this elevation round, our lightning round, I've got one question. How do you go about getting content from clients? Because it is the one pain point that I hear over and over <laughs> again. It, it is. Um, we have struggled with it, but we've done a lot better job with it lately because Mary, our project manager, is very diligent in staying on clients. And basically go into the mom mode and saying, this is for your own good. I'm harping at you weekly for your content. You need to deliver. You know mm. what I mean? And that's made a big difference mm. because it is really hard for parent or for parents, for, for clients to do- create that content and deliver that content. And we just try to keep being their cheerleader 
and their school teacher <laughs> along the way to make sure that they deliver it. So just constant hand-holding and constant communication. And follow up. Yeah, no client has ever said that you've over-communicated with them. So, <laughs> you know, we try to make sure that, that we are, you know, in front of them all the time. And even to the point of if we have to, creating a task in Basecamp for each piece of content we need for them. So mm. it's very easy for them to deliver that to us. Mm. Awesome. Okay, good. Um, um, there's something in that for all of us. Thank you for sharing your process. All right, let's get into the Elevation Round. For those that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So I'm going to ask Rebecca a series of uh, a series of quick questions, and hopefully she's going to give us a series of quick answers off the top of her head. No pressure. Hey, what is the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? You can't do it all. Find <laughs> your weakness and get help. Awesome. What is the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Learn SEO, particularly Whitehead SEO. Nice. How do you stop competing on price? Um, you, you say no to, to discounts and you educate your clients on what you deliver and how that's different from everyone else. Mm. Not selling them, but educating them, right? I educate them in SEO and how that fits into the process and that sells my price. Any tips on writing better proposals? I uh, have a really good template. My proposal has been six years in the making, and every time something comes up that we've made a mistake or didn't communicate properly or a client misunderstood, it goes into the template. Mm, nice. Do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM? You know, um, our our projects close really quick within days to maybe two weeks, so I don't have to have a lot of follow-up with them. It's more um, the, the existing client base staying in touch with them. So, no, I don't actually use a real CRM tool, even though I did spec one out in past life <laughs> and create one for a software company. Excellent. Uh, what is the best, what you know, the thing about CRMs is I reckon a lot of people can convince themselves they're doing great customer relationship work just by spending time in their CRM. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I hate to tell you, but you've got to get out of the building and go talk to people. What is the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Um, a good tool. And a good project manager. For us, it's Basecamp and it's Mary. <laughs> Excellent. Basecamp plus Mary equals success. Plus Mary, yes, <laughs> equals success. Uh, any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? Um, do a good job and exceed their expectations. Yeah. I never ask for a referral. I never ask for a repeat client, but we get both because we do everything that we can to exceed expectations. Great. And finally, what is the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? You need to find what your what is your niche, and it can be very um, you know small. You know you can don't be afraid to narrow your market. Like we started out with Genesis, or you know you know SEO focused websites. Find what that is for you, which should be your superpower, and embrace it. And then you'll be surprised at how much business comes to you through that. I love it. You know, it's kind of, um, it's funny you mentioned superpower because one of the things, thank you for getting us through the lightning round, uh, by the way, one of the things that I like to say when I'm with clients is I actually like to ask them, um, you know, cheekily and a little bit lighthearted, but I actually like to say, so tell me what superpower do you think that I bring to this project? Um, and what it does, it, it's really interesting because what it does is once they kind of endow you with some kind of superpower, it's really hard for them to try and negotiate on price because it's like, well, you know, when did you last ask Superman for a discount? I mean, you, yep, you, know, absolutely. you don't ask superheroes for discounts. <laughs> hey, um, what is the future for web savvy marketing? Where do you think you're going to be in 12 months time? I 
honestly don't know. Um, you know, we've grown to a place where I didn't expect or didn't plan on and didn't even think it was possible. So we've really, you know, met those types of expectations. I think, you know, anywhere we go from here is gravy and frosting on my cupcake. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to create new products or we're going to partner with somebody. I'm not really sure, to, mm. to be honest with you. Mm. Are crowd favorite going to buy you? <laughs> <laughs> They are some of my favourite people, I will tell you that. <laughs> Love the crowd favourite team. It's only a matter of time, isn't it, before crowd favourite by everyone? Come on. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, awesome. And um, uh, just before we wrap up, what is the number one piece of advice you would give anyone, any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? Make sure it's something that you love. And if it's something that you love, you won't mind spending a ton of time doing it. Yeah. Because, and then that breeds a success because you're passionate about what you're doing and yep. people will feel it and and embrace you because of it. It's great advice. Um, hey, Rebecca Gill, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you a little more and having you on the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can people reach out and say thank you for this interview? I'm on Twitter and my handle is Rebecca Gill. Would love to hear from you. Beautiful. That's nice and easy. I'll put everything that we've spoken about here and all the links in the show notes at wpelevation.com slash Rebecca Gill. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? I think that you should interview Kareem from Crowd Favorite because the man is brilliant, but he's quiet and he doesn't readily get in front of audiences unless pushed, but he has so much information to offer and so much just knowledge because he's seasoned and he's seen a lot and he's done a lot. Um, he's an amazing person to speak with. If you ever see me at a word camp and he's there, you'll see us together. Mm. <laughs> it's because I love talking to him because of that. Awesome. Well, actually, I think someone else has suggested Kareem as well. So you've just reminded me, Kareem, I'm coming to get you courtesy of Rebecca Gill. So keep your eyes on your inbox because we definitely will be in touch. Hey, yes. Rebecca Gill, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know our audience will as well. And um, uh, thank you again. And, and please keep in touch. My pleasure. Thanks, Rebecca. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast and getting to know Rebecca Gill from Web Savvy Marketing as much as I did. And I hope you learned a lot. And I particularly hope you learned how much work is involved in putting together a WordPress theme shop. Hey, all the links and resources and to enter the competition this week, get on over to wpelevation.com slash Rebecca Gill, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-G-I-L-L. Leave a comment under the podcast and you could win one of her premium themes from her theme shop valued at $59. And of course, just visit the homepage, wpelevation.com and uh, sign up for our crazy competition where we're helping you write a $10,000 WordPress website proposal. We're giving you our template. We're giving you an example and an awesome video, free video training to help you write that $10,000 proposal. And we're also giving away some prizes, namely a brand new 13-inch MacBook Air. Wow, hello. A brand new 13-inch MacBook Air valued at $1,200 and the Studio Press Pro Plus All-Theme Developer Pack say that three times quickly, uh, valued at $400, which of course is the Genesis theme framework and all of their child themes uh, that they've made and any child theme they make in the future. So make sure you get on over to WPElevation.com and enter that competition. And I look forward to seeing you next week on the podcast where our guest is the one and only Chris Lemmer. That's right, the man himself, Chris Lemmer, is our special guest next week on episode 97 of the podcast. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. <laughs>